get to know me, you're going to know that I am a dreamer. I think about the future a lot. I love, love, love to imagine possible futures. One of my favorite questions is two words, what if? Multiple times a week, this is just how I am wired deep in my soul. What if this happened? What if God did this? What if this happened? And some what ifs, I'm going to be honest, they're just plain fun to imagine. And so um, I'll share with you one question that I have had for years, actually. So for the sermon, I did a little bit of research. Um, What if you fell into hot lava? Right? Ever wondered that? So here's what you see in cartoons and TV all the time. Uh, somebody falls into hot lava, and then they slowly sink in, and they like mutter their last breaths. You remember Lord of the Rings? I'm going to give it away. Gollum falls in. He's like, ooh, holds on to the ring, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, okay, lava's not water, first of all, okay? Second of all, I feel like science would determine something very different would happen. So I did a little bit of research. You guys want to know what happened? Now you have to know. You're like, I don't know if we do. So here's the deal. You would die before you even hit the lava, right? right? And if you did hit the lava, you wouldn't sink. You would land on top. Scientists have actually come up with a hypothetical scenario, a comparison, that would make sense of what would happen. The lava is like a cup of motor oil, and you're like a piece of styrofoam. So if you drop the styrofoam into the motor oil, what happens? It just sits on top. It just sits there, right? You're landing on rock. you got to remember that. Either way, you wouldn't even live to touch it. And if you did, what happens is that the lava interacts with your body. It throws everything and then just sparks and, and lava starts flying everywhere. So point being, like, that's a scenario that I'm like, ah, oh, that's a little bit disturbing. The ADM heard that and they're like, will we ever come back to this church? Probably never, ever, <laughs> ever. Some what-ifs, they're just plain terrifying. For me, that's a fun what-if because I don't anticipate falling into lava. Here's a fun what-if. What if there were no bats? So we moved into a a new house uh, about a year and a half ago, and it was sunset, and my kids and I are in this swimming pool, and uh, this bat flies by her head. And I'm, like, screaming, get out of the pool, rabies, you're all going to die, you know? Like, I don't have... I don't have good vibes towards bats at all, right? Again, cartoons telling me lies about animals and life and death. And Anyways, so... uh, I, I sat there and I'm like, I got, how do I get rid of these bats? I must destroy all bats. Why well, live behind woods? There's no getting rid of these bats. And so I did a little bit of research and somebody said, Michael, you got to love bats. They kill up to 1,200 insects per hour. That's like what they eat. These, like, if there were no bats, you would be doubly or triply or quadruply consumed with mosquitoes. Not only the mosquitoes they eat, but the mosquitoes that get eaten that don't reproduce. I mean, just consider the mass quantities of mosquitoes. Not only that, then I learned this, that um, one study estimates that 99% of crop pests are controlled in some capacity by bats. In fact, bats are the primary seed dispensers and pollinators for the following fruits. Bananas, mangoes, papayas, and there's numerous more. No bats, okay? The prices for these go up, 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 up because they become scarce fruits. I'm going to be honest. I like bats, right? Now, here's what we do in our backyard. Uh, little, little tip. If uh, you find anywhere with bats in open field, throw a ball up into the air, and they will start flying at the ball. If it doesn't happen by the first, second, or the third time, by five times, all the bats throw it as high as you can. And they all try to hit the ball. I don't know what they're going after. But So now for fun, we play with the bats. We thank God for bats. What if there were no cats? I thought this was my dream come true because all cats are going to hell. Dogs are going to heaven, right? Right? Now some of you are like, definitely not coming to, coming to church again. So I thought to myself, um, I hate cats. I mean, they're fine in other people's home, but not really interested. My cats peed all over everything I ever owned growing up, so I kind of had them with cats. 
And uh, so a study in Great Britain found that the average cat every six months brings home 11 rodents to their master. Those are the ones that we know about. It's estimated that in Great Britain, there are about 200 million rodents a year that are killed by the cat population of just house cats alone. Had the house cats alone not been there, there would have been over a billion per year after procreation, because you know those things multiply pretty quickly, and rats and rodents would be everywhere. In fact, uh, there's a study done on an island off of New Zealand where um, in a short period of time, the cat population was eradicated to nothing, and you know what happened within about three or four months? The rat population quadrupled. Can I get an amen for rats and bats in the house right now? Like, you're thinking, what does this have to do with Jesus at all? Uh, here's one of the questions, the what if. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 asks a question. He poses a hypothetical that I think is so profound and has been such an encouragement to me. He poses the hypothetical, what if Jesus never rose from the dead? By the way, this is Easter. You do realize that's what we're celebrating is the resurrection. We're all on the same page. Uh, what if Jesus never rose from the dead? Paul understands this, that familiarity makes us take things for granted, right? Sometimes you have to take a moment and imagine a scenario of what life might be like without that person or that thing in order for you to appreciate how much of a blessing it truly is. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is trying to teach this church about the resurrection. And he takes some verses to say, what if, what if Jesus never, ever rose from the dead? Before we get into that, here's what I know. It's Easter. There's a lot of you I don't know. There's a lot of you I do know. And I, I don't know where most of you come from. So I want to take a few minutes here and kind of just level the playing ground. Let's all get on the same page for a moment. Easter week or Holy Week, what it does is it, it takes some major essential doctrines or beliefs about Christianity, and it puts them into the rhythm of our year so that we focus on them uh, uniquely in a unique way from any other time in the year. So Good Friday, here's what we celebrate as Christians. We celebrate that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, on the cross took your punishment for your sin in your place. That this isn't just a kind act of sacrifice. This was a divine moment where God's righteous anger at the sins of humanity were poured on the body, soul, and emotion of Jesus. That's Good Friday. And Easter, here's what we celebrate today. Uh, on Easter, we celebrate that Jesus, in space, time, and history, roughly 2,000 years ago, at the moment predetermined by God, was raised from the dead. His death was an objective fact and his resurrection was not a myth to make us feel better, but his resurrection, what Christians celebrate on Easter, is that Jesus was literally dead and God the Father literally raised him from the dead. That's what we celebrate together here on, on Easter. And 1 Corinthians 15.3 says this, I delivered to you as of what? First importance, what I also received. That if, I want to level the playing field here for a moment because there are some things that we're going to talk about this morning that I need you to know are not optional if you are going to call yourself a quote-unquote Christian. This is one of the most elusive and frustrating terms in 21st century America because people have taken this term hijack and want to make it mean whatever they want it to mean. This word is not fluid. It is not elastic. It means something. It means something. And so though there may be thousands of expressions of Christianity all over the world and through centuries in the last two millennia, this word, everybody who is a true, genuine, quote, 
Christian has some things that they believe that are of first importance. These are the essentials and the non-negotiables. For example, anywhere you go in the world, a true Christian should be able to say the following. I am a sinner. You guys know. I am a sinner. You cannot be a Christian and believe that people are basically good. By the way, that is the opposite of what Christianity fundamentally means. People, we, me, fundamentally broken. You also believe this, that there is a law above me that I will be judged by, and that there is a God who made that law, and his name is Jesus. You cannot be a, quote, Christian if you do not believe Jesus is God, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is the judge. Those are fundamentals. We go on. The Bible is God's word. If you don't believe the Bible is God's word, well, then you definitely won't be a Christian. Let's put it that way. But everywhere you go, there will be a reverence and a respect for the Bible as God's word, the revelation of God himself. You're going to find this. You're going to find that a Christian believes Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins, that Jesus took his pun- your punishment on his body, on his soul, on his emotions. That's what he did. That is fundamentally Christian. That's not a metaphor, but a fact. If you're a believer in Jesus, you believe that Jesus, if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead. You believe Jesus is literally going to come back to judge the living and the dead. These are, these are non-negotiables that we cannot get past. Here's one. You have to believe that you are not saved by being good but you are saved by trusting in Jesus. It is not by works that you are saved. This is a fundamental that if you're going to be a Christian, you have to say, I don't earn God's love. It is free and for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. Now, as we get to Holy Week, we get this question, what if? What if Jesus had never raised from the dead? I need us to all be on the same page because the resurrection is not myth or an option if you're going to call yourself a Christian. And so what I want to put forward to you is not something for you necessarily simply to consider. I want to put together for you a more beautiful and holistic picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a Christian. Now, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Number one, the gospel would be a hoax. The gospel would be a hoax. The gospel, here's what we mean. It means good news. Everything I just told you, that you're a sinner, but God loves you anyways. Jesus Christ, fully God, died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the dead for your place, for your sins in your place. That's the good news, by the way. We're going to see as we unfold here why that's great news. But here's what Paul says. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the what? Scriptures. That he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The reason Paul is using the word scriptures is because scriptures means a direct, accurate revelation from God. Paul believes that we can trust the, resu- the, the resurrection of Jesus not just because we saw it, because the scriptures have foretold it and communicated it to us. And so here's what he wants you to know. He's trying to make it clear to people, look, of first importance, you've got to get out of your brain that this is a myth or this is something that's just neat or we celebrate Easter, we just do Easter eggs and that's it. We are actually celebrating something bigger than this, that the resurrection is not fiction, but it's a fact. It's not hoax, but it's history. So on, on Easter, here's what we get to celebrate together. The gospel is a fact. The good news of Jesus Christ isn't a hoax. And we're going to watch why this is incredible news for you. Number two, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? 
the disciples would be filthy liars, deceivers. There is no way when you read their writings that these men were duped or deceived. It is not possible. I will go. I, you may not believe if you're here in the resurrection, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, but you cannot look at the history and the writings of these men and believe that they were, that they were duping you or that they are deceiving you. These men utterly believed what they wrote. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. That he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, who is also Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. By the way, they're not alive now. They were alive when he wrote this. In junior high, I was like, the Bible's not accurate. Look, they're not alive. Okay. True story. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a point? Oh, by the way, I was dead, now I'm alive, right? And then, last of all, he appeared also to me. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, welcome to the greatest, most masterful, most successful hoax in human history. This is an unbelievable feat that these men were able to pull off if they, if Jesus did not really rise from the dead. They believed so thoroughly that they were telling the truth. In fact, 10 of the 12 of the original disciples were so committed to the resurrection that they were brutally executed for it. Recant in the resurrection or die. And they were so committed to the fact of the resurrection that they chose death. Okay, I'll be honest. I cannot think of a lie that I would give up my money, my family, my friends, my home, my safety, my comfort, my reputation, or my legacy for. I can't think of one lie that would be so powerful or could give me something that I would give away everything I have. And then what we found is that these men traveled all over the known world to tell people in foreign cultures, in foreign languages, that there is a God who is Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead. These guys would be crazy. And then every Easter, I tell you guys the same thing because it blows my mind. His brothers, James and Jude, just track with me for a moment. They believed he was God. All right, all right. I got three older brothers. There's no way in Hades you're going to convince me that any one of them are God or sinless or flawless or perfect or the righteous son of God who spoke and matter existed, right? I mean, let's be straight. How many of you were tortured by your siblings, okay? Right? You know. Something happened, right? This to me is the, honestly, the greatest testimony, the legitimacy of the resurrection, and the legitimacy that there is something fundamentally unique and distinct about Jesus Christ because his younger brothers, whom he grew up with, ended up giving their lives and their everything for the sake of defending a resurrected Jesus Christ. What did they know that you don't know? His brothers. To me, I, I look at that and I'm like, Easter, let's do this. But here's what we celebrate on Easter. The disciples were truth-tellers. These followers were truth-tellers. And in case you didn't believe them at the time, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth, and he's like, look, there are like 500 people. Most of them are alive. And you can go talk to any of them. You want to talk to the disciples. It's not like, like presidents and megachurch pastors where you can't talk to them. Like, they're real people. You can go up to them and say, hey, by the way, my name is Michael. Tell me about the dead Jesus you saw and the resurrected Jesus you saw. Right? They're going to have a real conversation. They're going to look you straight in the face and say, I will go to my grave and be tortured and let my children and my grandchildren be tortured for this fact. Jesus was dead and now he's alive and he is God. 
What happened that so moved these people? I'm telling you, the disciples, you can't read them and believe for one moment that they were lying. What if Jesus did not raise from the dead? Number three, I mean, this is a little redundant, but I thought you'd appreciate it. Jesus would be dead, right? Here's what he says. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Jesus is literally just another dead dude in the ground. That is all he is. We are morons, and we should all walk out these doors and leave. He literally would have been the leader and the mastermind of a hoax that we have never seen like it in all of human history. This peasant who had no home and no money and walked around for three years, like how would he possibly do this? Which shows you that there's just something bigger going on. And here's what we celebrate on Easter, that Jesus is not dead, but Jesus is fully alive. Fully alive. Number four, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Christianity would be utterly useless. Utterly useless. Here's what Paul says. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Vanity simply means useless, worthless, or empty. Totally meaningless. So as Christians, we like to make these bold claims, right? You may have said them yourself. You might have heard me say them. And here's some things that we like to say. Following Jesus is the best life, right? And if you follow Jesus and you really follow him, you're like, yes, I believe, I believe that, right? Jesus is worth dying for. Uh, following Jesus is worth giving up drugs and sexual morality and sin. Jesus can transform your life from the inside out. These are all utter lies, completely useless. You should literally leave right now and not even worry about what your friends are going to think of you because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is all one big hoax and one joke. But that's not what we celebrate on Easter, is it? <laughs> we celebrate something fundamentally different. We celebrate a risen Jesus Christ in Christianity. I want you to hear me. It is useful. That may be a weird term for some of you. Here's my challenge to those of you who are skeptical about Jesus. Follow his teachings for one month. I dare you. Here's what you will find at the end of that month. You will consider him to be a genius, and I'll bet 100 bucks that you trust in Jesus Christ by the end of that month. Here's my challenge to most Christians. Why don't you try this? Maybe more of us should consider it. What if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Village church would be a cult. <laughs> a cult is any, any organization or group that teaches a deviation from the essentials of true religion. So we talked about those essentials, right? So somebody comes up in the name of Jesus and says, there is no resurrection. What are, what are they? Cult, good. I know you don't want to say it in church because that's a strong word, right? Uh, it's stronger culture, but here's the idea. A cult is anything that misleads you in one of the essentials to the point where it becomes false. So uh, they believe that all people are good and sin isn't real. If they do that in the name of Jesus, that would be a cult. There are things that you got to watch out for in this scenario, but here is what Paul says. We, if Jesus has not been raised, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified that God, that he, we testified about God that he raised Christ. This is a false religion of the worst kind if Jesus has not been raised. Now, I got a little hashtag for you. Uh, hashtag, Bill's Church is not a cult. <laughs> Probably don't do that. <laughs> People will be like, what? What are you talking about? I thought it would be funny, but who knows? Let's get a little more personal. Number six, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Uh, you, you would be guilty. 
Here's what he says, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. Just think with me for a moment. Every, every true religion, or not every true, every religion on the planet for millennia and centuries have two things in common. Number one, they know that humans, we, were not okay. And number two, you find any religion on the planet that believes that there is a God or gods, right, that believes that there's something higher power out there, not only do they believe that we're not okay, they believe that whatever made us, the God or gods, they're pretty upset. How do they know that? Number one, they look at each other and they look at themselves and they're like, we're pretty jacked up. We're just killing each other left and right and left and right. Like, we're not okay. They know that. And then they look at what they know the gods are in control of, weather, rain, earthquakes, catastrophes, death, all of this stuff. And then they probably logically think to themselves, if God loved us, wouldn't he stop this? Like, that's a logical thought for most people. And most civilizations have had these two thoughts. We're not okay and the god or gods are pretty upset with us. And this is a fundamental reality of being human. These two impulses from the time we can actually consciously think and reflect on life, we know we're not okay and we know something up there is not okay with us. What sets Christianity fundamentally apart is that every religion on the planet, they say this, be good and that will make the God or gods happier. That is the formula of every religion on the planet except for, quote, Christianity. Christianity says something very different. You will never be good enough, but God gave his son Jesus who was good for you in your place. Fundamentally, totally different. And here's where the good news is. You are not guilty. I want you to catch this. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we are wrong about all of this. And if you're a Christian, you have invested your entire life to make sure that you and God are okay. And if that God is not the real God, you have made a massive mistake and you have not satisfied him or her or them. They and you or he or she and you are not okay. If Jesus was not risen from the dead, you've spent your entire life trying to make a God happy that is not real. And the real God that is there would not accept you because you have believed in a false God. You were going to be in your sins. But here's what we celebrate on Easter. Jesus is fully God. And God the Father gave his son Jesus on the cross. He poured out his wrath on his body and his soul and emotions for your sin in my place. And anyone who trusts in Jesus is not guilty anymore, but they are cleansed and forgiven no matter how vile their sin. You and I get to be forgiven. It gets even more personal because he goes on and he says this, your ancestors, if Jesus has not been risen from the dead, they are perishing. Verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, meaning they died as believers in Jesus, they have perished. They spent their entire life appeasing a God that doesn't exist. And when they had to come face to face with the actual God gods, then they realized they had utterly failed. And I'm telling you, this is, I've done more funerals than I would ever care to do, and every Christian funeral has this one thing in common. We believe we will see each other again because Christ cleansed them and Christ has cleansed us and we cannot wait for this beautiful reunion where we are with our husband and our wife, our mom and our dad, our grandma and our grandpa, and some of us our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters. And we cannot wait and we are waiting with anticipation and expectation because Jesus rose from the dead. I'm telling you, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no basis for that confidence and they are perishing and you will too. Number eight, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? Christians, we, we should be pitied. 
if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, I want you to hear me. This is, sometimes you have to talk about the what if to understand how grateful you really should be. We are truly pathetic, ignorant, and duped. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, everything you have given your time, talents, treasures to is a waste of time, and you should be pitied. You should not go volunteer at egg hunts, give your time, give your energy, give your resources, give generously, serve generously, waste of your life. And you know what? People should feel sorry for us. But that's not what we celebrate on Easter, is it? We are not duped. We are not to be pitied. I believe Christians should be envied. I believe that when people see Christians, they're going to see hypocrites, sinners, but they're going to see people who fall into the arms of their God, who are completely safe, who live like they're forgiven, who understand that no matter how dumb I am, my God always forgives me, loves me, and is the safest place on this planet. They should be able to see that somehow, slowly, yes, but our lives are being transformed. We should really actually annoy them, to be honest. Because they should see transformation slowly, yes, right? And it doesn't always happen quick. But they should start to see God and the power of the resurrection start to transform and do something fundamentally different in us. And they should look at that and say, drives me crazy, drives me nuts, but I want that. I want that. Number nine, what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? I think you should all live for yourselves. That's what I think you should do. And Paul agrees. He says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? I mean, this really summarizes, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, I think we keep hitting the same point over and over again, right? Like, this is all ridiculous. Go out and party, because if when you die and you close your eyes for the last time, consciousness ceases to exist, and this is all there is, man, we don't believe that, though. On Easter, we come here to celebrate. We are not like those who believe that consciousness ceases with death. We believe that though we die, that is the beginning of eternal life. We believe this is just a small snapshot in time. And so as Christians, here's what we do. We don't just live it up because this is all we have. We don't, I say as a joke, eat every meal like it's your last. And that's why I'm fat. And, then, and uh, that's not what we do. We actually, here's what we do. We, as Christians, if there is a resurrection, we live for Christ. That's what we do. That's what we do. Because this life is a blip, but eternity is forever. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and is the most satisfying. Now, lastly, number 10. What if Jesus did not rise from the dead? I want you to really consider this. Jesus would be crazy. Looney Tunes, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Guy would be nuts, off his rockers. Nothing is stable about Jesus. And I, You've heard it said, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or a... Lord, I'm going to actually break it down, okay? If, if he is a liar, he is also a crazy man, okay? I'm going to go, those two cannot be separated, okay? So let me just give you an analogy. I want you to imagine you're walking down the street of Chicago, and some homeless guy comes up to you, and he says the following to you. Sir, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What would you do? You'd be like, he's off his rockers, like, uh, we got to go, um, something's not okay over here, right? That's what most people would do. You would conclude that any person who would say and believe what Jesus said over and over again is not okay. He is not somebody who should be leading a group of people to their death, okay? Um, something is fundamentally wrong with him, which makes all of us the followers of a crazy man. Do you see that? 
I mean, here's the implications. If you don't believe in a resurrection, you cannot say this. I think Jesus was a good teacher. When you say that, you're telling me you have never read what Jesus teaches. Jesus is extreme. He is very interesting. And he is not just a good teacher. Jesus could walk into a room and divide people in a moment. Jesus upset tons and tons of people. You cannot just sit there and say, I like to follow the way of Jesus, but I don't really believe that he literally resurrected from the dead. If you're going to follow the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is nuts if he did not rise from the dead. The whole thing doesn't work. And so I look at people and I say, look, there's no middle ground. He is either Lord or a lunatic. Like those are your options at some point. But he did say, and he believed it to the core of his body, and God the Father proved it with a resurrection that was historical, legitimate, true in space, time, and history. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Aren't you so glad there is a resurrection? Here's what we believe. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Good job, you guys are on it. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 20. I was trying to see if you're actually paying attention. You got a few people asleep in the back. It's cool. Um, I give you a holy nap. It's my honor. But in fact, but in fact, don't you love those words? He's like, what if, what if, what if, what if? He hasn't. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. For as by a man came death, that would be Adam who brought death into the whole world. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. What if Jesus did not rise from the dead? I could have talked about the civilization implications of Jesus not rising from the dead. If Christianity was not true or legitimate, here's some things. Everything that you know of education, hospitals, the care for the poor, art, freedom of worship, free markets, all of them are fundamentally based in a Judeo-Christian worldview. And because of the leadership of Christians over the last 2,000 years, the entire world as you know it has been revolutionized. You who do not want to appreciate the historical roots of Christianity in America and the world and of Europe, without it, we have nothing that we have today. The things that you love and value the most are rooted in the Judeo-Christian history. But here's the deal. The power of the resurrection is not just to transform civilizations. It is to transform homes and to transform hearts. Here, here's what I have learned being a pastor in Barlet. We love to have nice homes, put smiles on our faces, but our families are jacked up. Our marriages are frustrated. Yes, there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. There are some non-Christians who have great marriages and some Christians who have great marriages. But here's what I've learned. We're not okay as a community, despite how nice our homes and our cars are and how much money we make, despite how good our kids look on Easter, I find that if most people could go to Jesus and ask him for something other than money, they would say, could you just fix me in this whole family circumstance? And here's what we believe, that the power that changes civilizations changes homes, but before it changes homes, that same power has to transform hearts. Has to transform hearts. So we come on Resurrection Sunday, and here's what we believe. We believe we are a whole bunch of broken, broken people who have trusted in Jesus Christ, and we have received the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that powerful resurrection spirit is transforming us. Slowly, never fast enough for our spouse. Can I get an amen? Don't say that. <laughs> right? Slowly. But God is creating something new in our homes, but it's starting with every individual. And I have one of the greatest things to offer you on Easter Sunday, 
And that is healing that is not just for now, but goes past the moment where you close your eyes for the last time into all eternity. You get God himself, God's spirit, God's word, God's people, as jacked up as we can be. We get God's forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And every time you mess up, despite whatever version of Jesus you believe, that he's all grumpy and always frustrated with you, the Bible says just the opposite. If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation from God toward you, even when you royally mess up. Will he discipline you as a good dad? Everybody say yes. Absolutely. But you fall into his arms because when your good dad disciplines you, even then you still know you're safe. And I offer to you Jesus Christ, who has worked for you so you don't have to be good enough to get to heaven. I offer you Jesus Christ, fully man, who understands everything that you could go through and can empathize with you. I present to you Jesus Christ, fully God, who on his body, soul, and emotions took your just punishment on himself for you in your place. I present to you Jesus Christ, who does not demand you be good enough to come to him, but accepts anybody with faith just as broken and crazy as you are. I I submit to you Jesus Christ, who is not Looney Tunes, but is fully God, is resurrected, fully conscious, alive, and is coming back to judge the living and the dead. If you leave this room and you still believe good people go to heaven, you've missed the entire point of the death and the resurrection. The point is this, good people go to hell, forgiven people go to heaven. And you get forgiveness because Jesus paid the price for you. And God the Father on Easter Sunday raised him from the dead, validating he is fully God and the payment has been accepted. The question for you is, will you accept it? I want to take a moment. We're going to pray together. And if you, in any way, shape, or form, are even on the verge of considering and trusting in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you, anybody who is an usher, a greeter, on stage, myself, would love to answer questions for you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to engage you. I want to invite you to come back next week because next week we're going to talk about how Jesus is the king of even the darkest and most sinister kingdoms. And we're going to see a picture of Jesus that is beautiful and compelling and gives us hope even when the world around us is going crazy. I want to invite you to engage us and to, if you even sense that you have questions or you might want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, do not let this moment pass. Do not let this moment pass because the moment you walk out those doors, your kids and grandkids and your job and all of life and Easter lunch and dinner and family and whatever are going to distract you and you're going to stuff it deep down inside. I just want to ask you, don't do it. Because if Jesus really did rise from the dead, you must trust in him. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so glad that it is a hypothetical scenario that we get to ponder that you truly did historically, objectively, verifiably rise from the dead. God, I thank you that you declared for all of hell and all of heaven and all of humanity that Jesus is truly who he said he was and that you have accepted his payment in our place. God, I know that Some of us are here, and we just don't know what to do with this. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage, the boldness, the clarity, the focus to be able to actually ponder these things. God, would you reveal 
so clearly the truth of who Jesus is. Lord, I know there are even Christians here today, and, and uh, we feel like Thomas says we doubt, and we just want to see it. We need more proof, but we do believe, and Lord, maybe even we want to pray this prayer, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, would you just be so gracious and so merciful, and would you give them faith as we sing these songs, as we engage your word? Would you just give us gratitude and eyes to see the reality of who Jesus truly is? And so, God, as we come to you and we close our time in, in worship, it is with gratitude that we worship you and say thank you for not leaving us in our sins. Thank you for not leaving us clueless and having to grope for answers that you have given us Jesus and your word and your spirit to give us clarity. We love you and we worship you now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said amen.